Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. Second Kings chapter two, continuing in a series, continuing in a series entitled The Cloak of Glory. <laughs> it's, uh, anyway, I think it's funny. All right. Second Kings chapter, chapter two, verse six, if you're all there, say a big amen. Then Elijah said to him, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Jordan. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. He will what? He will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. What kind of ground? Dry ground. I don't know. God's kind of into that. You see through history. He parts water and dries the ground. Verse 9. When they crossed over, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what I can do for you before I am taken from you. Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. I'd like you to say that right out loud with me in the New International Version. Ready? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elijah replied. You've asked for a difficult thing, Elijah said, yet if you see me when I'm taken from you, then it'll be yours. Otherwise, it will not. Some conditions there. As they were walking along, talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire, the horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw it and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. And he took hold of his garment, and he tore it in two. Elijah then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him. And he went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah, and he struck the water with it. Quote, where now is the Lord God of Elijah? Let's all say that. Where now is the Lord God of Elijah? He asked. And when he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. Verse 15, the final verse, the company of the prophets from Jericho who were watching said, the spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. Father, thank you for what you're going to do, what you have done, what you're going to do now in the moments that remain in this service. Thank you for the many, many children over in the King's kids and the power of God falling there. Thank you for what's taking place here. I pray that you would move in great power for all those online. You would move in power in each and every one of our hearts. We position ourselves in an hour in history where we deeply need you more than ever. We long for you. We desire you to manifest among us even as never before. Not only that, but it would be that which transforms our lives that we then can pass on to the next generation. In the name of Jesus, amen. Once you turn to three or four people and say, get ready, God's gonna touch you tonight. Come on, get ready, God's gonna touch you tonight. I had an interesting experience uh, in the introduction. Uh, I've preached from this text many, many times, and maybe you have too. It's a powerful text of scripture. I've entitled it, The Generational Transference of Power, which is a classic Pastor Bracken title. The Generational Transference of Power. I just can't do the cute little things, you know, that I don't know, I just, I can't think of them. There's a new slang word that's, that, uh, uh, that I'm learned, which is slay. So I'm looking forward to making one of my message titles slay. I tried to make it fit here, but it just doesn't work. So 
the generational transference of power. And I have like this ringing thing and we have the most incredible sound engineer back there. And if anybody can fix it, you can, you're the man. Appreciate you so much. All right. So while I was in Missouri, I was with pastor Bruno and, uh, I'm trying to remember, oh yes, we had just dropped off prophet David Fang. We did a whole conference over there. There were six of us and God just touched that place. 777 registrants at the, at the conference. I wish we knew that. We didn't find that till after, but we would have sewed it into like some prophetic significance. But it was powerful and life-changing in three different extensions, Springfield, Ozark. And by the way, I learned something about the Ozarks. If you say reckon, Every so often, God moves more. <laughs> Springfield, Ozark, and Branson. And so he had just dropped off David Fang at the, uh, Prophet Fang at the airport, and he grabbed his stuff, and he, and he said goodbye. But right before he got out of the car, he said, hey, uh, I got some music for you guys. I think you might want to check it out. So he hooked us up with some new worship music, but it's not your average worship music. It's... It's full blast, Pentecostal, spirit-filled warfare music that has just come out about a month ago from a church in uh, Arizona called uh, Fresh Start. Go check it out. And he was telling us about the church and I thought, man, I, 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 gotta, I, I, wanna, I wanna check that out. So we put on this worship music and we, I don't know what happened. It was like a portal opened up and we went through it driving. I can't really explain to you all the different things that happened because it was so, is so profound and, and I don't have language for it. Listen, it's one thing when somebody tells you they had a dream and this angel came and they don't do anything with their life. It's very different when you hear from somebody who's, who's had an encounter with God, but you see all kinds of fruit. You want to listen to that kind of stuff. There's a lot of people that want to talk about puffed up things and I don't want to do that. I just understand this in the introduction. There is power that your mind cannot understand. And the ancients understood it, and most of many in Western civilization have been dumbed down to the scientific model. And there are powers at work that cannot be explained by the natural mind. Can I just tell you one of the things that happened? Okay, so I'm driving. I'm talking about the power and the fire of God. Thought about pulling over, but felt led to continue to drive. Was still able to drive, but we were filled with joy and then just getting touched by God. And I heard the Lord say, take a right. So we just, I took a right and we end up in this, this country road right shortly after at these, these train tracks and the lights are going on and a train is coming, you know? So I'm like, cool. I'm gonna take a picture of the train going by. And you know, the, 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 the crossing arms that keep you from driving around that many of you just go around anyway when you... The arms are going up and down. And a train never comes. And we're standing there, again, power of God, looking down the tracks, and these warning signals going up and down. And God was speaking to us. How, do you, how can you even plan that? You can. Something is bigger than your natural mind. The power of God. Everybody say it, the power of God. The scripture teaches us that we're at war. Like Ephesians talks about that. Zechariah, the building was named Project Zech out of Zechariah 6 because it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And that's how this was built and that's how we'll continue on. That's how God's called us to operate is by, by the power of the spirit. Can you say an amen? And God has given power to, to people. Now, when I say that, I want to say that there is demonic power, but there's the power of God. 
The phraseology, the Christian word we use is the anointing. The what? The anointing, which is really a play on words. It's, it's um, the ruling king would be the Messiah in the Old Testament. And of course, Jesus, and it was just a type and a picture of the Messiah that would one day come or the anointed one. The, the Greek word for that is, is Christ, the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah. So Jesus Christ is Jesus, the anointed one, Jesus, the Messiah. So Paul says he anointed us. He, he does this play in words in First Corinthians. Powerful. He Christed us. So there's the anointing and the power of God, but how many of you know there's the power of the enemy? The power of the enemy cannot hold a candle any more than an ant could fight with my boot. Oh, the ant would try, but it would be a millisecond and it would be, it's over. God wants to put power on you. But he doesn't want to just put power on you. He wants to put power through you. We are one generation away from a dead church. Let me say that again. We're one generation away from a dead church. And I believe there's a real awakening that's taking place in America. The whole Asbury. I don't see too much about it now. Somebody said, well, they, they, they closed it and moved it to different places. I don't know. I'm, I'm just glad that there's people going after God. There are signs, wonders, and miracles that cannot be understood with the intellect. And God has a real power that he wants to put on you to heal you, to set you free, yes, but also to have you be a, someone that carries, a carrier a carrier of the power of God. Come on, raise a hand to heaven and say, oh God, I want to be a, a carrier of your power, your love. And it's God's desire to pass his power, write in the notes now, and if you don't have those, go ahead and lift a hand and one of our anointed ushers will bring that to you. It's God's desire for his power for, to go from one generation to the next. We started this series called The Cloak of Glory, and uh, I've preached through these texts numerous times in my almost 25 years, 23 years of pastoring. But when Prophetess Jane Hammond came and she gave us that decree, and you could go ahead and put that up for me if you could access it quickly. When Prophetess Jane Hammond came and gave us that decree, God desires to pass his power on for a generation and the next. That's right. Here we go. We decree today that we're crossing over into a new season of breakthrough here at Kings. We receive a new, a what? A new mantle for a new day. When I read that, I realized that a lot of people have no clue about what that means. That word comes, the, law, the, law, the first mention is in 1 Kings 19. The mantle is this garment that's over the prophet. And in fact, prophets were then identified by this mantle that they would carry. It is said by some, I think it's Nahumenides, a rabbinic scholar, uh, but I'd have to go check, said that the, the mantle of Elijah was kept in a golden box in the temple so that when Zechariah received his prophetic word, about his son, John the Baptist, being the one who would come in the spirit and the power of Elijah, that he took the mantle and he gave it to, Elijah, gave it to John the Baptist who was out in the wilderness. The mantle is a picture of the working of the power of God upon a man, upon a woman. It's a picture of the anointing. It's a picture of the God enablement, but it's more than that. It's a picture of your calling. It's a picture of your identity, which is the first message that I preached in this Cloak of Glory series. When it says you're going to walk in a new mantle, we should really understand what that means. What it means is there's a new identity for you. There's a new empowerment, a new call that God wants to put upon us as Kings Alaska and anyone who would feel moved by the Spirit to receive it. And so as we move into this series, this mantle now in your notes symbolizes the power of the Spirit not just on an Elijah, 
the power of the Spirit being passed on to Elisha, being passed on to another generation. I, I, I love that leadership phrase by John Maxwell that says, if, if you're not a success unless you have a successor, and many times in Christendom, there are pastors that hold on to the pulpit just too long and don't let the young, the young ones come on. Don't pass on the baton. I watched a, a movie called The Race. And it's this, it was on the plane. I think I watched 10 movies or whatever, but I had never seen this one. Uh, it's that sprinter, Jesse Owens. Thank you. And how Jesse Owens went to the 1936 Olympics and, and he ran the race to the, the, um, where they passed the baton. You know what's it called? Relay race. And he said, I've, I've never, I've done, I don't know how to pass the baton. And anyway, he, they won and he went home with four gold medals and was eventually acknowledged by the White House because they were very racist back then. There's a baton that needs to be passed in a race for, for a relay race to be won. And if you fumble that, you're out. There's a baton that God's trying to pass at this hour of history. And I don't want to fumble it. And there will come a time as I would then pass that to another generation. And the truth is that anyone who wants to move into a new mantle, receive a, a passing of a baton, something fresh and new from God, then you can go ahead and reach out and take it. Doesn't matter what background you come from. It doesn't matter what color your skin is. Born with a silver spoon in your mouth or no, no silver spoon. God will put his power on you and he entrusts his power to us to change our lives, to change the region, the territories of which he calls us, but also to pass it on to the next generation. I don't know what happened. Wally, I blinked and I'm, I'm 56. I feel like I'm 25 unless it's early in the morning. I, I, I blinked. Let's look at this text. Now, first of all, Elijah has run from Jezebel to give you a background and that's 1 Kings 19, he's run away from Jezebel and he's tired and he's scared and he gets corrected by the Lord. He's like, no, you're not the only one. There's, there's 7,000 more. And he gets rebuked. And the Lord gives him a fresh set of assignments, gives him three different people to anoint, the next king, next two kings, and his successor, which means you're done. Almost. And his successor is, is Elijah. And if you go and you look at that, you see how he comes upon Elijah. And Elijah was a prosperous farmer. How do you know that? Well, by the amount of oxen he had. He had 12 yoke, 12 pair. And, and his, his family's there. And he walks by and he throws this mantle, this hairy garment on Elijah as he's walking by, and it's a picture of the prophet, the calling of the prophet, it's a picture of identity, it's a picture of the power of God, it's a picture of many things. It's a picture really of him laying hands on him also, we'll get to that later. He throws it on him and instantly Elijah quits his job. He's like, let me, let me just say goodbye to my parents. And, and Elijah's like, what did I do to you? And so he has a giant barbecue, which is, it's a beautiful picture of burning the ships, sinking the canoes. I lost, I think I lost about 60 pounds a while back and I got rid of all of my bigger clothes. Why would you do that? So I would never go back. However, some of the smaller clothes I have have stretchability. So I pushed that and my suits, I just pushed them, pushed everything to the very max, which is about 250 something. And at that point, I, granted, I did go and buy some bigger t-shirts. I think I got a larger set of jeans, but 
Am I going to replace all of my suits? Am I going to replace all of my clothes and make a decision to go big? <laughs> Listen, I'm just telling you for me. And I got to that place and Pastor Karen's like, you're getting huge. <laughs> and she'd say things like, do you really want another help? <laughs> In her gracious way. She was lovingly trying to support me. And I think I might have been stress eating just a little bit concerning our project. And uh, how many of you know that that can be sin? Anyway, the Lord corrected me. The fast came along and um, praise God for losing 30 pounds. And uh, I, I went back. I burned the canoe. I burned the ships. That's what Elijah does. I'm not going to farm anymore, slaughter them all, let's have a giant barbecue because I'm not going back to farming. Some of you have plan B and C. Some of you have a plan B and a, 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 Peter even said, let us go a fishing. Let's go fishing. After Jesus was, was gone, he gave up hope. But Elijah won't leave his side and it's a picture of many things. You'll see this in verse 2 and verse 4. In verse 6, verse 2, he says, The Lord has sent me to Bethel. And then Elijah says, As sure as the Lord lives as you live, I will not leave you. In verse 4, the Lord sends him on to Jericho. And Elijah says, I will not leave you. The Lord sends him on to, Jericho, to Jordan. Pardon me, And Elijah says, I will not leave your side. And they walked on. There are many times when God's preparing you for elevation. God's preparing you for promotion in the spirit. But you quit going on. You quit walking on. You get offended or you get tired and you, and you want to throw in the towel. The Lord has a brand new mantle. He has a cloak of glory for you, for me, for us. But you must muster your strength and continue on. You missed a great place to say amen. Pastor Gary didn't break you all, did he? You guys still on fire, right? Wasn't he a blessing? Wasn't he a blessing? Thank God for Pastor Gary Brothers, one of my very dear friends. Powerful services. If you didn't catch them, they're available on, they're available on YouTube and Facebook. The key verse here is verse 9. When they crossed over, Elijah said to Elijah, Tell me what I can do for you before I'm taken from you. And he has the bold declaration, the, the gumption, the grit, the unmitigated gall to ask for a double portion. Here's what he says. Let me inherit. Everybody say inherit. Inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elijah. Elisha replied. Elijah wanted his inheritance. He saw himself as a son. He saw himself as a son. There are sons and daughters. I've said this to you before. I'll say it again. Fellowship with everybody. Partner with some. Build on sons and daughters. Spiritual sons and daughters is what you build on. And it's so important to, to develop them. And he saw himself as a, as a son. I do believe he knew Deuteronomy 21 to 17. It says this, the firstborn by giving him a double share, a double portion of all he has. That son is the first sign of the father's strength. The, the Hebrew thought of inheritance is the eldest son would get a portion, would get a double, would even get a double portion at times. The double portion is for sons. There's so few. Listen, I'm just going to destroy this. And you'll hear it taught other, other places. You will not receive a double portion of the anointing, a double portion of the mantle, the empowerment of God, just by answering some altar call. It is an unbiblical idea. I've positioned myself, and uh, I don't know, the Lord's been working on me through this message. I've positioned myself to receive a spiritual inheritance from Dr. Morocco. I have received a spiritual inheritance from him. And as time goes on, should the Lord tarry, one day he's going to go on to glory. He told all of his staff, he said, I know, I believe the Lord showed me when I'm going to die. 
And we're like, when? He's like, never mind. We've got, a, we've, got, we've got some years, so it's all right. I'm like, okay, great. But I mean, that's an intense thought. You see, the double portion comes to those who are real sons and real daughters, not, not wannabe sons or flyby sons and daughters. You know what I mean? I've had people, when I've traveled, not so much here, but I've, I've had people say, can you lay hands on me for the double portion anointing? And I know what they're asking for, and I'm pastoral, so I'm not going to say, well, really, that's not how that works. You can't get that. That's rude. Just be quiet. But I'm just telling you, theologically, double portion comes to sons who go to Bethel, who go to Jericho, who go to Jordan. And all of those places have profound significance. I was going to take a major rabbit trail and bring you through all of that. But I, I felt like the Lord said, just, just leave it. You can't, when you're a son, when you're a daughter, you, you forgive. You, you turn the other cheek. You, you keep going. You keep going. So many people want want the reward of the intimacy, but they don't want commitment. There's this guy. Am I, am I, am I going to do this? Lord, really? Okay. I think his name is Onan. Let me tell this as graciously as I can. It's, it's in the book of Genesis, and... His, his brother, and I don't remember his name, his brother dies and he is to marry and take his brother's wife as his wife. But he knew that she would give an heir and, he, and the heir wouldn't really be his. So he has to take her because that's the, that's the deal. That's how that worked. But what he does is he has intimacy with her, but he... He, uh, uh, I'm trying. <laughs> he has intimacy with her, but not fully. He does the act of marriage without, doctor, help me, doctor. Somebody, Jesus, help me. I should probably just read the text to you, but it would freak some people out. He, he purposely doesn't make her pregnant. Yes! He deploys a tactic for birth control. Come on! Come on, somebody! And, and it says, here's what the text says. And the Lord saw it as evil and killed him. You see, if you're going to walk in a new mantle, you've got to be fully committed. It, it's, not, it's not that you get the, the benefits without the responsibility. Don't think too hard about that. Intimacy and all the privileges without serving truly, without suffering, without, without toting the line, without tithing, without giving, without praying. Want all the power, want that fresh anointing, but not willing to serve, not willing to hold up the hands, not willing to go the extra mile, not willing to turn, you know, to turn in and show up and pray through when there's difficulty. It's amazing to me when I've had, we've had people over the years, and not so much anymore, but we've had people over the years that want us to, you know, come and help them and bail them out. They don't tithe, they don't give, they don't serve. They want us to stand with them when they haven't been standing with us not one minute. And there's times when God wants us to be merciful and help the poor. And of course, I understand that. One of, you know what happened in England? It all became a social gospel in England and they stopped evangelizing. They just started helping and feeding and doing that and that's all they did. Let me just tell you something. You need to be born again. I'm so thankful for how the Lord helped me and people helped me and the church helped me early on in my walk. But you gotta keep walking on. You gotta, you gotta grow, you gotta mature. Can you say amen? Can you say a better amen? Yeah. That inheritance was a double portion. 
in your notes now. He wanted the double portion, not of, the, not of property. He wanted the double portion of the spirit. And that was a hard thing. Well, a hard thing for man, but not hard for God. The problem was it was hard because it was only something God could give. God is the only one that can give you a double portion. God is the only one that can give you a new mantle. But when you receive a prophetic word like we just did, and that decree that comes from this time-tested, decade after decade after decade, prophetic word from, from J, prophetess Jane Hammond, and then you see it in the word, and I've sensed this and felt it all along, that with the, with the new building and a new season comes a new mantle to do what God called us to do. You, you've got to take a look at what that means and then embrace it. Pick it up and, and, and take it. But it's only God could do that. And Elijah's taken up to heaven, and the mantle drops to the ground. Elijah picks up the mantle. And Elijah did with the mantle what Elijah had, had done and got the same results. The power of God that worked through Elijah is now at work through Elisha. One of the moments that was so powerful for us at the conference that we were just at was we were at a prayer meeting with, with Pastor Dylan who took the place of Pastor Chris for the weekend because Pastor Chris just got a new uh, hip, he got a hip replacement. And we know now that he's really hip. So Pastor Chris is laid up on a couch and we visited with him and wept over him and prayed and celebrated and it's wonderful he's being healed. Pastor Dylan is his son of, oh, I don't know, I want to say he's probably, what is he, 27, give or take? Pastor Dylan Davis is Pastor Kirsten Davis' cousin. You see a mantle on the Davis family. I'll just pick on you for a second because it's a beautiful picture. All of the Davises have a numerous things in common. They can work extremely hard. Work ethic got passed down from somebody. That's a picture of receiving a mantle. Now that's a physical one and a trait that is a good trait. The ability to work hard and serve. They all work hard. They all serve incredibly. It's a Davis quality, thank God. Dylan Davis, we're there. He's leading this meeting, Pastor Kirsten and my brothers and sisters, he's leading this meeting and we begin to pray. We're praying and it goes around to different people and we're just sort of waiting on the Lord. And Pastor Dylan slid into this place of spiritual authority and brought the hammer. And when I was, I mean, I know him when he used to ride a big wheel. Do you understand what I'm talking about? You know what a big wheel is? They still have those? He was a little scrapper. I was there when he was born. So here he is, he's, he's 27 years old or so. He's got, a, he's got a beautiful child. He's married now for a few years, three years, I think. And I watched him shift. It's like his head sort of turned and he brought the authority of heaven. And man, the whole atmosphere changed in the room. I said, whoa, junior boy ain't so junior anymore. He's received something. He's received something as from his father, but he's received something from those who've been around him. He received this fresh mantle is on him. And it was, I'm gonna tell you, very rewarding to see. The power of God working through Elijah is now on Elisha. I saw that with Pastor Chris's son. I see it with my son. Something's happening with my son. He's moving into a new dimension of power and authority. I see it happening with my daughter. She has an unusual perseverance and fire. She got that from her mother and her father. What are you passing on, by the way? What are you passing on? What are you passing on to your kids? You say, well, I don't have any, all right. Well, you got people around you you're influencing. What are you passing on to them? 
What, are you, what, are, what do you have to pass on? All right, some application here. In the Old Testament, there was prophet, kings, and priests that could be anointed, that could have God's power, the Holy Spirit upon them. A mantle, let's just say that. Prophet, kings, and priests. In the New Testament, <laughs> it's everybody. Everybody, every believer can have God's power at work. Take your Bible, turn to Acts chapter 1-8. Every single believer, every single believer can be anointed by God or the Holy Spirit. I've told you this story before, but I, I, I was hitchhiking. Uh, rather, I was driving and I pitched up a hitchhiker. It's a little different. I was driving, I picked up a hitchhiker on the island of Molokai. The kid got in my car and I'm going to start witnessing to him. So I started telling him about the Lord. And he says, oh, no, no, yeah, no, I know the Lord. I know the Lord. I'm like, oh, awesome. You go to church? Yeah, I go to church. I'm like, great. What church do you go to? He goes, I go to the first church of the fire baptized brethren of the Zion assembly or whatever he said. I don't know what he said. And then he says this, and you know what? I said, no, what? He says, we have vessels there. I'm like, oh, what are vessels? He says, you know, people that have the Holy Spirit, pray in tongues and the gifts of the Spirit, we have, we have vessels. I said, dude, everybody can be a vessel. He says, no. I said, show me in the word where it says that. Not everybody can be a vessel, no. I said, no, you're wrong. And, and he, I'm getting to his destination. And he's like, just right up here. I'm like, okay, dude, I'm just gonna tell you, you're in a cult. <laughs> no, I'm not. I said, yes, you are. Yes, you are. Go read your Bible. Anybody, anybody can move in the power of a Ramakalawashanda Ramakalawashanda Anybody, anybody, any believer can move in the power of God. You can be filled with the Spirit. You can pray in other tongues. You can lay hands on the sick. Come on, don't let somebody tell you you have to be some special vessel. You're a special vessel because Jesus lives on the inside of you. Can you say amen? Can you say a better amen? Acts 1 and 8. But you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and the end of the earth. Wow. You look at Acts chapter 2, they were, they were so endued with power that they acted like drunk men. That's why it says in Acts 2, Peter says, these are not drunk as you would suppose. In other words, they're looking at them. What does a drunk person look like? They stagger, maybe. They slur a little bit, maybe. Maybe they're laughing uncontrollably. They look, how many of you know what a drunk person looks like? All five of you know what a drunk, no, I'm, I'm a Christian. I don't know what a drunk person looks like. I, 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 I. Raise your hand if you've ever seen a drunk person. They, they're so overwhelmed with the power of the spirit that people thought they were drunk. And that's why Peter says, <laughs> They were not drunk as you suppose. It was the third hour of the day. This is that. And then he quotes Joel 2. This is that. Everybody say, this is that. God wants to endue you with power. It does not matter your age, your ethnicity. It does not matter. What, what, what God wants to do is he wants to put his power on you. Why? so that you could put his power on someone else and so that you could pass it on to the next generation. We are going to see a great deluge of power in our youth ministry. It's already begun. I prophesy a doubling. Where is, where's Bracken? 
perfect timing. I prophesy to you a doubling, but it won't just be a doubling in number, it's going to be a doubling of disciples. For there is a new thing that's upon you and a new thing upon the leaders of that. If you lead and you're a part of that ministry, stand up. Ulu, thank you, thank you, wonderful. A brand new thing, but you gotta take it. You gotta go to, you gotta go to Bethel. You gotta go to Jericho and you gotta go to the Jordan. You are gonna walk through these different stages. Go look at the meanings of those words and watch and see what I'm going to do. I'm gonna put my fire and my power upon you and you're gonna put it upon others and they're gonna begin to flow in a new mantle, a new, new anointing. I see it upon you. I see God's hand upon you. Stand up on your feet. You know I'm not old because I can jump off of that thing right there. Isn't that amazing? I do think about it though. That's the difference. Come here. I spoke to you. I called you up here. It was almost like there was a sticking place in the islands. You're faithful there. And you know what's, what's, what's a beautiful thing? I'm going to brag on you. As I listen to messages in the season that you were there, I can hear you. I hear you in the background. You have a peculiar amen. I can hear you in the services. God spoke to you. He called you, your sister up here, your family. And he positioned you. He gave you your Boaz. That's Rick. Beautiful children. And you just felt like, I, I gotta like double up. I got, the fullness of this thing has not been released yet. And I saw something on you at the, at the power conference, a prophetic conference. And then after that, you know, I didn't, didn't see you all that much. I mean, I don't know, busy, we're all busy. And then I, I saw your morning prayer today and something you've you know you leveled up at the power conference and then i don't know what you i i don't know what you did between now and then but there's something brand new on you you said yes and i just you were resounding let's go <laughs> you'll preach you'll pray you'll prophesy you'll you'll make many don't go anywhere you'll make many leaders i've raised you up there's a powerful preaching, teaching gift that's on you. You got to the place where you just don't care. You just don't care. God has set you free and, and you are gonna declare it. You're gonna shout it. You, you, you've looked to try to figure out, how can I do that? And you said, I just, I, just gotta, I'm, I just gotta jump and I just gotta move forward. And in jumping, I'm gonna tell you, the Lord has caught you. And Pastor Karen and I, I don't know that there's a day that's gone by that, that I haven't thought about how, how can we see you released? That, I, I prayed that regularly over the past week. How can we see this woman of God? You've been, you graduated from the King's School of Ministry. You say, what about me? Go to Bethel. I'm talking to everybody else, not you. You just listen. You go to Bethel. You go, you, go, you go to Jericho, you go to Jordan. God is the one that elevates people, but I'm telling you, he saw you. Fresh fire, fresh fire all over you. I, I'm just, you know, we'll plant thousands of churches if we can just get the leaders, that's it. That's not fair. Oh, get a hold of yourself. All right. Did you close up on my butt right there? That was not cool, bro. Where, where are you? Where are we? Lift your hands to him. I would have jumped, but I have these leather-soled shoes and it could have been ugly. I've got a lot of experience here. Come on, lift your hands. Dr. David, this is your season. You're being promoted. 
Why would you say that in front of everybody? Because I'm the pastor and I feel like the Lord's telling me to say it. Faithful. Listen, God knows your name. He knows every single one of us. Those online, those that'll listen in the future, He knows. And God is elevating hundreds of people, everyone that'll go to Bethel, go to Jericho, and go to Jordan. You've got to do your part. That's the way it is. And really, don't look to man. Don't look to the church. Look to the Lord. He's the one. Oh, an increase of intimacy. Can you imagine John? John on the island of Potmos. John on the island of Potmos comes on the Lord's day. And he says, John, the voice in heaven, come up here. I want to show you something. And, he, and he's into this encounter. And he writes the book of Revelation based on it. God's trying to get you away from Netflix so he can talk to you about your destiny and purpose, but you're just addicted to your Snapchat, addicted to, you're, you just hooked us so much TikTok and reels you done lost your ever-loving mind when he's trying to speak to you out of the volume of his word that you never open. I know there's just probably a handful of people that that would apply to. Oh, Lift your hands to heaven. It's a new mantle for everybody who would go and grab it. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Pastor Daniel, you, you have to be so intense. He just made me that way. Elijah demonstrates a, a pattern for us right in your notes now. 833. I'm going to go for um, I'm going to go until I close. Elijah demonstrates a pattern for walking in God's power. Oh, look at this first one. We must hunger to have God's spirit. Hunger. Hunger. Everybody say hunger. Why, why, would, why would God... Why would the Lord have them wait for 10 days before the Spirit's poured out on Acts 2? Do you ever think about that? I think he was making them desperate. You know, desperate people do, do desperate things. And when your desperation for God is sincere, you don't really care what your, what your peers think. When your desperation for God is sincere, you're, you'd be happy to look like a fool in the face of your peers. You just don't care. When you get really hungry and you really realize deep down, the only one that can satisfy, there's only one, only one that can satisfy, only one that can heal your marriage. There's only one that can set you free from every yoke and every bondage. There's only one who raises the dead and heals the sick. There's only one who's worthy to be worshiped. There's only one, there's only one, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the King of glory. He's the one that's to be worshipped, not Netflix, not your flesh, not your, not, come on. And you have to stir yourself. You have to get sick and tired of being sick and tired. He made them wait 10 days, I think, to show them their incredible need. He said, I'd be better for me to go than I would send another. The Paracletos, the Holy Spirit, the standby, the counselor, the, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. If you want a fresh mantle, you want a double portion, there is not one person that can give that to you but God. And the only one he gives that to are those who go after it. The secret of the Lord he, can find, he confides with those who fear him, says the book of Proverbs. He doesn't hide things purposely to cause you to be frustrated. The things of God are precious. The beauty of the Lord's beyond description. The things of God are precious. And he doesn't just give them to everybody. That's not fair. Oh, stop your woke nonsense. 
He is not obligated to touch you because you came here tonight. He's not obligated to speak to you when you open your Bible. He loves you. He wants to. He spoke in parables to hide truth from those who would just be casual in their observance. He hides. His power is hidden. At times, other times, he sovereignly just comes. But if you're going to walk in a double portion, go get it. How? Fasting, prayer. Go to the Jordan. Go to Bethel. Go to the Jordan. Go to Jericho. Go to Jordan. Look at the meanings of those names. They're profound. And you'll always have people like the... I mean, these guys were in ministry. They're 50 prophets. We'll talk about them here later. Do you know, did, did you know that your master is going to be... Yeah. Yeah, I know. And then after he's taken, they're like, let's go find him. He's like, no, we're not going to go find him. He's gone. No, we should go look for him. You always have people with their ideas. You always have people well-meaning as they might be. I've had people say, well, that guy is so anointed. Have you seen that guy? I'm like, yeah. Do you know what he walked through? You know the price that he paid? There's no price to pay. Jesus paid the price. Jesus paid the price. And he baptizes you to move forward into the difficulty. Oh, he wouldn't put you on a ship called Andromeda. No, he wouldn't do that. He wouldn't put you on a ship in the middle of a storm with 200 and, I don't know, I need to go look it up, 286 souls or whatever it is, book of Acts, chapter 27. He wouldn't do that. He wouldn't put you on a place where a ship is sinking. That's not even biblical. Oh, no? Paul? That's Paul. The Apostle Paul. God trusted Paul enough to stand in the place where all these souls would be, would be down in Davy Jones' locker in the crushing deep. And yet he had one man on there. His name was the Apostle Paul. And he sent an angel. The angel of the Lord came and stood by him and told him the recipe and the strategy for how to get every soul off of that boat. Oh, no, God wouldn't cause you to be on a boat, would he? Woody, the boat that might be sinking for everybody else, but because you're on it that everybody survives, would he do that? Yes, he would. He would. And I don't like difficult times. I don't like desperate times, but I sure love what it does for me. I sure love what it does for my walk. I, 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 don't, I don't want that. I don't, I, don't want to, I, don't, I don't want to like, you know, the fellowship of his suffering. <laughs> to know the power of his resurrection. Everybody just, everybody ends right there. Lord, I want to know your power. The next line is, and the fellowship of your, of your suffering. Now, I'm not calling you to suffering, but you are going to go through it. And how you embrace that will release a double portion. Listen, how you embrace your conflict, your difficulty, your pain will cause you to become more anointed by God to decimate the works of the devil or will cause you to quit. And many times those giants that come, many times those difficulties that you face that are so impossible, we don't see that it's really prophesying to what's on the other side. Why is the devil so nervous that he would send a windstorm to try to rip open the building and delay us? Must be nervous. About what? About the double portion, about the new mantle. Must be nervous. We must believe, and write this in, please. We must believe for our spiritual inheritance. You know, Elijah wasn't embarrassed to ask for it. I remember a number of years ago, one of my staff, and please don't take this as a recipe for how to enter into full-time ministry, because there, there really is only one. And, and, and listen, not everybody should be called to full, never, not everybody's called to full-time ministry. Everybody's called to be a full-time Christian that everywhere you go, you bring the power, amen. Not everybody's called to stand up on a pulpit and 
you're called to business, you're called to be a king, you're called to be politics or some area of influence and you do it under a mighty anointing and you change the world right where God's called you. This is not the, the pinnacle of it. This is just a part of the body. And uh, to help you, to equip you for the works of ministry. Hallelujah. But I remember years ago, one of my staff said this to me. He said, yeah, the Lord spoke to me just to quit my job and come and serve here. I'm like, oh, really? He's like, yep, yeah. So what do you want me to do? Gave him a few things to do. He did it with all his heart. I said, there's no, there's no, we're not, we're not doing that right now. We're not hiring people. That's not what's happening. No, no, I understand. It's okay. God's going to provide for me. Well, that went on and on and on and on and on. When there came a moment where we needed somebody, he had the skill set. He just so happened to have it. He had the skill set. He's proved himself. And we needed somebody there. A moment came. A moment came when it opened. We gave him a shot. Couldn't pay him much. But he's like, it doesn't matter. I'm ready. I'll do it. I'm not here for that. I'm here to fulfill the call of God on my life. You know who that is? It's Pastor Gil Nantes, who's pastoring a church that's hitting 300 people or so to 50 in Eagle River. That church will be, that church will grow and get larger and larger. We need another facility. He's choked out. God's power is being put on display through, through Pastor Gil Nantes. Not just use him as an example, but all of us have our, all of us have our places. You've got to, you got to get after it. Come on, somebody say, I'm going to get after it. And even that's a grace, but you got to believe, believe for, and then right in the, in the, right alongside, believe for our spiritual inheritance. Believe for our spiritual inheritance. And there's a sign as I bring this to a close, kind of. There's a sign that Elijah had the power. What was the sign? When he struck the water and it went in the King James hither and thither. That's the sign. You know how you know when somebody's walking in a mighty anointing? You see it everywhere. You see it in all their relationships. You see it in their finances. You see it in their emotions. You see it in their ministry. Yeah, and their ministry or, or, or business. You, you see the evidence of God's empowerment rests upon people and you can see it. Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. You can see it. It's not luck. It's not pedigree. It's the power of God. And who puts it on the hungry? He puts it on the thirsty. <laughs> and there's a sign today of the power of God, although I've seen sometimes people are able to pray in tongues, and that is a sign. It's the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I've seen people pray in tongues and be mean as a junkyard dog at home, and they still pray in tongues. It's a little scary. But biblically, we do believe that the initial evidence, initial evidence of the baptism of the Spirit, the anointing, is tongues. And we're unashamed of that. There's tongues with interpretation, which is really prophecy. This morning, morning prayer, uh, Minister Vicky got a message in tongues. That doesn't happen that often. It happened today. That was awesome. And a powerful prophetic word came. So there's tongues with interpretation, which is prophecy, but then there's a prayer language, which is just your, your tongues. It's the Holy Spirit praying economically as one with your spirit, the perfect will of God. Ontologically, the understanding of spiritual spatial reality, the Holy Spirit is not your spirit and you are not the Holy Spirit either. The Holy Spirit is a third part of the Trinity, fully God, fully man, third part of the Godhead. And the Holy Spirit will come and fill your heart. It will come upon you, but he'll well up on the inside of you too. There's a baptism. It's, it's a cucumber becoming a pickle. And the initial evidence of that is, is tongues. Look at D. A picture of the laying on of hands, this, this mantle being thrown on and placed on or, or used. You know, you got to get a little crazy if you're going to see his power put on display. I'm closing now. 
we walked, uh, we, we went to Hana years ago with Pastor Karen's mother. We, we, we parked the car and we walked across a body of water that was about up to our calves. And right after that, it was rushing right out to the ocean. And they said, be careful of flash floods. So we were careful. We went on a hike. It started raining. We started hearing some pretty intense sounds. We came back and the river is well over our waist. Now, let me just tell you, in that environment, you get swept out into the Pacific Ocean. It's over. It's over. There's, there's, there's shark, it's called mono water. And, and it's very turbulent, very difficult to get back into shore if you survived going out over the rocks. So there really isn't like you could get swept down river and swim into the bank. It's not like that there. When the water runs like that, you better not go. Well, we couldn't cross. We laid hands on the surface of the water and prayed that it would recede. And within 20 minutes, it did. It wasn't instant, but it did. Who did that? The Lord. No, that's just the water. Stop, stop. Stop looking at things with your natural mind. You begin to believe God for, for his release, his power. If you're going to walk in a new mantle, you have to use the mantle you have. If God's going to give you a fresh increase of anointing, you've got to use what you have. Stand up on your feet. We are one generation away from a dead church. We must be filled with the Holy Spirit and power. Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to King's Alaska podcast. God bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com. And may God's face shine upon you and give you peace.